0: Welcome to The Art of Intimate Marriage with Dr. Jennifer Kansen. sensitive yet frank advice for enjoying every benefit of one of God's most fundamental gifts. Dr. Kansen is a licensed marriage and family counselor, sex therapist, as well as an adjunct professor, award-winning researcher, author, and speaker. With today's conversation on the biblical approach to fulfilling intimacy
1: in marriage, here's Jennifer. Good morning, everyone. This is Dr. Jennifer Kansen with The Art of Intimate Marriage. And we have been spending the last couple broadcasts talking about addiction and sexual dysfunction and when they overlap, how the use of drugs and the use of alcohol, how it affects sexuality and how problems with sexuality will sometimes lead someone or cause them to medicate with drugs and alcohol. And so this back and forth between any kind of drug and alcohol or addiction and sexual dysfunction. So how does that impact couples? And how do you go about treatment when you've got that dual issue going on? And so that's where we're going to start off today. So if you haven't listened to the previous broadcast, you can go back and do that. Go look at my website, The Art of Intimate Marriage, and you can listen to the previous two broadcasts that cover what all the different issues are that can come up for couples with that but where, when they have both issues. So today we're going to talk about how do you work through those kinds of things. If you were going to go into professional treatment or if you were going to work with somebody who's a minister who's counseling you or working through it just as a couple, what are some of the things you want to pay attention to? So let me just give a couple reminders. One thing is that both issues can occur at the same time that someone can be involved or have a background in addiction in drug and alcohol addiction or in sexual addiction and it overlap with issues on their sexual functioning and so when a couple is trying to work through those things it's often important to get help with both concurrently because if you are not getting help on your drug and alcohol background and you're working on your sexual relationship, the very problems happening in your sexual relationship can re-trigger problems with a drug and alcohol. In other words, just talking about and working on fixing, improving, enhancing your sexual relationship can cause a relapse. So if you're not paying attention to both issues at the same time, one can cause a relapse in the other. In other words, if you're paying really good attention to your drug and alcohol issues and you're not paying attention to your sexual problems, that can affect it as well. So it's just important. Do both at the same time. Get help with both at the same time. When it comes to what to do when you're working through those issues is that sometimes when someone has a background in using any kind of drug, any kind of alcohol, there may have been either unsafe practices that occurred or traumatic things that occurred for a couple or traumatic things in someone's background that occurred while under the influence. And so that's going to come into play in the marital relationship. You want to be aware that all forms of trying to, even reading a chapter on sexuality. If you were to grab a chapter from our book, The Art of Intimate Marriage, just reading on it can bring up some of the trauma memories that occurred while under the influence or memories that you have while your partner was under the influence and some of the things they did or tried to do with you. So very important to get help with both areas. Oftentimes what happens during the process of recovery is that all those traumas come back and the process of recovering can actually be just as traumatic as the process of use. This is important to face. Oftentimes when somebody finally goes sober, they decide not to engage in whatever addiction that is. Their partner is very relieved. They're finally in treatment. But then all of the problems that the use was pretty much masking and covering up all start coming to the surface. And so then those early stages of recovery are very traumatic. The memories come back. The system, your family system can become actually pretty destabilized. Um, When someone's in early recovery, they're often needing to go to quite a number of meetings just to get solidly on their feet. And I've had couples share with me how my partner's finally sober, but they're never here. They're always at these recovery meetings. And it's like, now my partner's having an affair with AA. And so it's just important to talk through that. How does somebody in the middle of early recovery, maybe even straight, you know, straight out of barely being sober, how do they still pay attention to their marital relationship when use is so recent. It's traumatizing. And often because the drugs and alcohol, especially the use of alcohol and marijuana, because they are used as their depressants, both of them, they actually lower anxiety. Sometimes anger will come out because they also lower inhibitions. And they also sometimes make people feel like they don't have to be as stressed and as upset and angry, right? And so then you stop using marijuana and alcohol, and out comes all of that anger, out comes all of those stressors. So that's why that early recovery is so hard, because all that stuff it was covering up is now happening between the couple. Conflict is often quite high. Having ways to talk about that, I'm actually going to give you some kind of starter conversations to have in order to work through that. One of the challenges, too, is that often couples will have used alcohol, marijuana, some kind of drug that under that use were either both used or just one used. And that was the one time where they had like really good conversations or they had really good sex was under the influence. And so all of a sudden, all those good times are no longer available because the drug that allowed that to happen isn't there to enhance things. And so it really affects the sexual relationship. Um, I've worked with couples where somebody utilized alcohol to relax and to, uh, that's how I get myself in the mood to have sex. And so now they're sober and they're not using that anymore. And so it's revealing the fact that I don't want to engage sexually or I don't enjoy sexuality or I'm nervous about it or it makes me anxious. Same thing will happen where people will sh- use, say, marijuana and it they say, oh, my goodness, for the first time, I actually had a good time while we were having sex. And so the only way they have known in their relationship to enjoy each other sexually is under the influence of marijuana. All of a sudden you take that away because they're going through sobriety And they can't find a way to have that kind of connection. The term that's used for that is traumatic bonding, which means our bonding memories are under the influence. And so when you change that and someone's in the midst of sobriety, it can feel like things have actually gotten worse instead of getting better. So that often happens in those early stages of recovery. The other piece that happens too is that if the partner has been involved in super enabling behaviors where they've either lied for their partner or they've either lied for them or they have made excuses for them or they've not confronted them and all of a sudden those enabling behaviors are getting exposed in early recovery, working through that can be quite challenging. So, pay attention to those. I don't really particularly like the term co addict, co addiction, but people use it a lot that I'm codependent, I'm a co addict, I'm enable. So, even if you don't use those terms to describe how you interact with your spouse's use, it is important that you recognize what the behaviors look like. You know, I I have made excuses for them, I have lied for them, and then I've just squished down all of my emotions and I've stopped paying attention to how I feel about things. So boom, when recovery starts, out all that comes. So be aware that's going to affect those early stages of recovery. Also, during use, there has usually been quite a number of boundary violations where someone has involved themselves in sexuality in a way that they actually didn't feel good about, but they'd let themselves be violated. Or the boundary violations were around safety issues. So all of a sudden they're in early recovery and, and, and couples are beginning to establish healthy boundaries. That's tricky because usually there haven't been very good boundaries. So again, one of, that's one of the challenges of er, that early process of recovery for a couple. The other thing that comes up is that if you as a couple begin to engage sexually or you are engaging sexually and some of that trauma from the past comes up during sex, what do you do? Often what happens is people just ignore it and keep going. And I don't know that that's a really great idea. Most of the time, what I would recommend is if... If you guys are in a, a good place in your marriage and your pain, your trauma comes up right in the middle of engaging sexually, either you get a picture of a flash in your mind or just your sadness comes through you and it's kind of overwhelming, it may be important to pause interacting sexually and just say, I need to share something with you. And you share that memory. You don't just push through it. The pushing through it, I'm just going to push through and we're going to keep having sex and I'm just going to ignore it. Boy, sometimes what can happen is then the real connection that sexuality should be doesn't occur. It's just a, I'm kind of doing my duty thing. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. So sometimes for couples, it's important for the partner to say, hey, I'm feeling really triggered right now. And pause. And this is where it's vital. If you're the one who has the background involved in some kind of addiction or where you've been the one involved in the trauma, to say, ah, okay, share it with me and give them the space in the room You may not return to sex at that moment. You may actually just decide to hold each other and go to sleep and have a good bonding moment and then the next day engage. Bottom line, pushing through and forcing yourself through sexuality when you get when the triggers come up and the trauma comes to your mind, isn't usually a good idea. The way that that really shows up is around if the use is pornography. So if a spouse has a background in sexual addiction and the sp- their partner, they start engaging sexually and their partner starts remembering what their spouse did and doesn't talk about it at that moment and they just make themselves continue It can be quite harming to the relationship. So talk about this together as a couple. When we're involved intimately, even if it's just cuddling and just kissing and you're not even going into having sex together, you may need to pause and talk through what's coming up right there so that you can have a genuine engagement, even in the midst of early recovery. So pay attention to these different factors. When it comes to, when someone comes in to see me professionally for treatment, let me tell you some of the things that I specifically focus on with each couple. Number one is I teach them how to resolve conflict. Usually their conflict resolution skills are pretty low because all of their conflict happened in the presence of use. And there's a relearning And so you can go back and listen to several different broadcasts. You can go read this in my book as well on validation and how to speak without attacking, how to speak without blame, and then how to listen where you're genuinely wanting to understand and then you go to empathy. So you can go back and listen to those broadcasts, read those chapters in The Art of Intimate Marriage. But bottom line, early on, when a couple is recovering together, they do need to relearn good conflict resolution skills, how to speak without attacking, how to listen and really be understanding. You do also have to establish safety and trust. Again, when boundaries have been broken, boy, especially this has to do with if there's been, say, a sexual addiction in someone's background, the safety and trust is sharing with them how your process of recovery is going, being willing to show your phone at any time, show what's on your email at any time. So that's actually similar to if it's a drug and alcohol addiction, being willing to go through a breathalyzer to... Do any kind of let me reassure you that I am no longer using. So that is one aspect of establishing trust. I also encourage couples to learn how to talk every day about the process of recovery. So what that would look like is where a partner says, so today I have not used So if it's alcohol today, I haven't had anything to drink the last 24 hours. I haven't had anything to drink. And for the next 24 hours, I'm not going to be drinking anything. Thank you for listening. And the partner says, thank you for sharing. So the way that would look if it was, say, a sexual addiction would be, I haven't looked at anything for the last 24 hours. I'm not going to look at anything for the next 24 hours thank you for listening. And the partner says, thank you for sharing. I call this a daily trust conversation. It's one little teeny step, especially early in the process of recovery on how to reassure your partner that no use is happening today. And that's literally important (laughs) today. We're talking about recovery today. And that one step has been super helpful to many couples. So there's little ways to establish safety and trust that are vital. Complete openness, share about your process of recovery. There's a number of other steps. You can go back and you'll find these on not only my Art of Intimate Marriage website, you'll also find these on the Ransomed Journey R-A-N-S-O-M-E-D, Ransomed, theransomedjourney.com. That's my other website on addiction. So feel free to go there. There's quite a bit more help on how to establish safety and trust found there. Before I go on with the different areas of treatment for couples when they're in recovery, I just want to let you know that there are all kinds of resources that you can check out go on to the website, The Art of Intimate Marriage. On there, you're gonna find a blog. You're gonna find links to our book, The Art of Intimate Marriage. There's also a new book out called Redeemed Sexuality. That is for everybody else other than married couples. And so it goes into some other issues that can be helpful even to married couples. And you'll also find a link on there. This is a a listener-supported ministry. If this is helpful to you, if you believe it'll be helpful to others, You can go on and donate on our website. You can also go on to Amazon, buy the book, The Art of Intimate Marriage. We also have our communication cards for couples now up on the website. Those are called The Intimate Marriage Cards. And you can purchase both of those things. That can be helpful. If you have questions, though, for me, and as you're listening, if it's bringing up things that you're needing some additional care or just needing some input on, you can send them to my email address, jenniferkonsen at yahoo.com. So my name, jennifer, K-O-N-Z-E-N, at yahoo.com. Send those questions my way. I um, would love to get them. So let's go on just talking about the process of treatment for couples who are involved in both addiction and having some sexual dysfunction. You'll notice I'm kind of pretty much solely paying attention to Recovery from addiction in this first part of describing treatment. Why? Because that does have to be the first and primary focus. Getting on your seat, your feet, excuse me, solidly in the process of recovery is important in order for then if you begin engaging again sexually, it goes better. So I'm going to hit a few more things on that and then talk a little bit more about how do you then start addressing sexual functioning, especially if... The um, in, during recovery, start the, the problems with sexual functioning start showing up. So what I just emphasized before we went into the, that slight break was that we do need to work on conflict early on. We do need to establish safety and trust. Also, there are gonna be betrayals, very specific betrayals that happened during use. It's important to get help with some of those specific trauma memories. Those, those do need to receive healing. When I'm working with couples, I'll take them back to that specific memory and bring, and we'll talk all the way through it to bring about healing. I call it an attachment injury, you know, really healing the attachment injury. And then obviously in the midst of that, reestablishing healthy boundaries and healthy communication. When it comes to the specific challenges that come up with sexuality in the midst of recovery. One of the challenges is that intimacy itself and the vulnerability of intimacy is difficult during recovery. And especially because some of the only times that happened were in the midst of use, like I mentioned earlier, If drinking was the only time where there was tenderness and affection between you, learning how to be tender and affectionate may be what you have to start working on. When I work with couples, I do start at that level where we start talking about intimate communication, how to share heart to heart, and then how to hold hands again, and how to put your arms around each other again, and how to receive. A scratch to the back and a hand on the thigh and how to just start having everyday touch and affection healthy in your marriage and working on that first before we actually begin working on sexuality. Often what can happen, though, because of the addiction, especially if it's a drug and alcohol addiction, is that there can be problems that start coming up for the couple with sexual interest, with erectile dysfunction, with the inability to reach orgasm. And in all honesty, sometimes people started their drug and alcohol addiction because they were already having those problems. That's happened quite a bit in my office where men or women, were a woman who had a problem reaching orgasm, so she started using marijuana and alcohol or a husband who started having pre, who had premature ejaculation, or who had erectile dysfunction, he started drinking and trying to deal with his problems by sex with you know doing pornography. So, when you release those things, up come the sexual dysfunctions that were already there: the low interest, the problem with erectile functioning, uh, ejaculating too soon, and the and, and also sexual pain will come will re, will rear its head back up. So and just important to realize that early on in recovery, couples start to realize they're having some sexual functioning problems and hence all that work that they've been doing then on healthy communication, on really listening to one another, on working through conflict will then benefit how they communicate around their sexual relationship. One of the pieces that does come up is that partners will tell me it's just no longer fun. It used to be a lot of fun. And now that the use is gone, whatever the addiction is, now that the use is gone, we're not having a lot of fun. So it's vital early on that couples learn to have fun together again. I do give couples assignments to do kind little moments of intimacy for each other at home to go. And then to including things like going, sitting out on the porch and looking at the stars or, you know, uh, enjoying the view from the cliffs at the ocean or on a mountaintop, going on a walk together, going on dates together, going out to dinner, like those little moments of, relational intimacy. That's going to be vital because you you have to build lots of fun in your relationship in the midst of working through trauma and recovery. So, it may be that in working on the heavier duty parts of your relationship, which your sexual relationship might be part of that, that some couples have to wait to work on that till somebody's more solidly on their feet and until their relationship is more solidly on their feet. Uh, it is not uncommon for me to have couples come in about 2 to 3 years into sobriety and then they come in for sex therapy. Um Some do come in right away, and it may be too soon, or they may be able to do both at the same time. So just be aware that sometimes it takes a while for your marriage to get back on track before you can be ready to deal with some of the sexual issues that come up. Uh, Often what will happen is a couple will be doing better, their relationship's better, they're communicating better, their conflict's better, and the moment we start working on the physical part of their relationship, up comes all the bitterness and anger again. And people are like, oh my goodness, you've never forgiven me, we've never gotten over this. And the reality is, once you start working on the physical, all the pain comes back up. So it's not often an issue of they don't forgive or they're holding a record of wrongs. It's that the pain got triggered. And there's something about the moment you start working on the physical relationship, up it all comes again. So just be aware of that. That it, it's, it's not a negative when someone's pain's triggered. It's actually an opportunity for really good connection. If you respond in a really humble, if the partner responds with humility, with understanding, with compassion, then you end up having this lovely connecting moment in the midst of that. So just, just a reminder that once you start working on your physical relationship, all that ouch is going to come back up. All that grief and loss is going to come back up. So I do want to emphasize a couple specifics for women who have any kind of an addiction background, or uh, if their spouse has an addiction background, they're go- women are going to have some s- specific things they need to pay attention to because women have a higher incidence of sexual abuse in their background. All of that stuff can come up as well. Um, because women can be more physio, their their fit, they have more physiological challenges in regards to any kind of use that can come up as well. Um, also, there's a lot more stigma for women if 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 you, as the wife, are the one with the background in use. There's more stigma for women who have. Uh, background in use. If they've used alcohol, if they've used drugs, uh, then it is for men. So pay attention to that. There's also a bit more isolation for women who have been in a background of use. There's a, there's there's lesser support for women. This is just an overall societal, cultural truth. So pay attention. Uh, if you are the spouse, if you're the husband... Make sure you're super supportive of her process of recovery, not just as if she's got the addiction background, but if you have the addiction background, she's going to need a lot of support. So there's a bit to if, if a female has been involved in either sexual addiction or in drugs and alcohol addiction... Um, the level of shame and inhibition for them is going to be a lot higher as you start working on the physical relationship. It's very important to be aware of that. It's true for men as well. I've worked with a number of men that the moment they I start working on their sexual relationship with them in my office, up comes all of their shame and their their own inhibition. If the background, of course, especially involves sexual addiction. So be aware of that as you're working on your marital sexual relationship in the midst of recovery. So today we're going to go ahead and end, but I, I want to point you to reading and hearing some things that are going to help you do this together. Remember you can, as a couple learn sobriety together. You can as a couple become more intimately connected in the midst of sobriety. Go ahead turn to the, go to the website, The Ransomed Journey. I've got some more um, support there for you, some other things to read there for you, because that journey does have kind of a double whammy. It's got a a double challenge. So take some time to get the level of support. And then at the end, if you need to go get some some support professionally, go do that. You have a lovely journey ahead of you. Just get all the support that you can in that journey. This is Dr. Jennifer Conson with The Art of Intimate Marriage.
0: Thank you for joining us for The Art of Intimate Marriage. Now let's be real, this is not a typical radio program and we know it generates questions. If you have one you'd like Dr. Consen to address here on air, email her at jenniferkonzin at yahoo.com. Kanzen is spelled K-O-N-Z-E-N, jenniferkonzin at yahoo.com. We hope today's program was beneficial to you and if you agree this unique voice should be on the air, your donations will help keep it there. To give or to get more information about the ministry, Dr. Consen's Center for Sexuality in San Diego, or to get more resources for improving intimacy in marriage, visit us on the web at theartofintimatemarriage.com. And for more on experiencing the marriage God designed, join us this same time next week for The Art of Intimate Marriage.